Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Billy Embody. With me is Shay Dixon. We've got a lot to get to on the podcast today. Seems like just yesterday we were wondering who the next LSU defensive line coach was going to be. Well, lo and behold, we got our answer, Shay. They, they, uh, Reeled in South Carolina defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsey to fill the void left by Jamar Kane. And this is a big hire that has now been secured by LSU. They got it done just at the end of April. He was announced on Monday by Brian Kelly, and he's already hitting the road recruiting. Shay, what's your initial reaction to this hire? Because for me, there's a handful of guys that everybody wants around the country that coach the defensive line position. And they are dream type gets. But when you go out and poach a sitting SEC defensive line coach, that's a really good job, in my opinion. And we've said time and again that we're going to, A, this is true no matter what, you judge a hire not when it happens, but long term, right? Like we need to see a year of football to know how we feel about whether it's recruiting or performance on the field. So, It's not even worth diving into any of that. And I tie that into the other part. We've got to trust Brian Kelly here, right? And he's put together a staff as he's been around 30 plus years as a head coach, not just coaching, head coach. He's put together a lot of staffs, Billy. I think he probably knows what he's doing. He puts faith into his DC, Matt House. Matt House, you know, obviously can have a hand here in who they look at to bring in as a coach on his side of the ball. And they settle on or they go for a guy in Jimmy Lindsay, as you noted, at South Carolina, so 
for a couple of years, has recruited to an SEC school and has been, I think it's seven or eight different schools, almost all of them in the Southeast. He was born to, uh, he's from kind of on the border of North Carolina, South Carolina. So he's got connections all over. That's one thing that when I talked to people over in South Carolina pointed out was that he knows a lot of people. He's got a lot of ties in Atlanta. He can help recruiting in a lot of different ways there. But I'll also say this, people, because you mentioned it, like there's big names, there's Bo Davis and all these guys that people look at as, oh, I'd love to have them as a D-line coach. I didn't know who Robert Steeples was a year ago. I didn't know much about Matt. I didn't know really anything about Matt House a year ago, who's LSU's DC. I knew who Mike Denbrock was just because he was an OC of a good Cincinnati team that was uh, one of the group of five's best. Uh, but I didn't know much about him beyond that. I didn't know a ton about Brad Davis, and he was born in Baton Rouge and went and started coaching uh, before he landed at Arkansas with Sam Pittman and then came here. So it's like if you don't know the name, that's not a big deal to me. There's a lot of coaches out there. All of them are climbing up the tree, and this is who they see fit as the best guy for the job. I have no reason at this point to doubt that Brian Kelly's making any missteps that you know he doesn't fully vet and trust in, in making that decision. Yeah, and uh, talking with different people, and you did as well, you dropped a ton of tidbits on the Bengal Tiger about the hire that people had a chance to check out if you're a subscriber. And one thing I also picked up after the fact is, look, they interviewed a handful of, of candidates. They had a really nice group, as we reported on the Bengal Tiger, uh, of guys they were targeting um, and looking at. And the big thing that stood out about Jimmy Lindsay coming from a couple of sources was his ability to teach. And when you and I talked about this and we posted on the board, when the LSU defensive line coach job opens, it's going to garner a lot of interest. There are only, you know, so many guys that fit the mold of, all right, this is a high profile hire that they can go out and get, especially maybe around this time. You got to deal with buyouts, which LSU paid for Jimmy Lindsay and paid him handsomely. So the salary alone is going to garner interest, but more so, the ability to coach guys that when you look around the country year in, year out, LSU is going to have dudes on the defensive line. And so for Brian Kelly, for Matt House, a big piece of this was being a really strong teacher and X's and O's guy. And that was something that stood out to them throughout the process with Jimmy Lindsay. Um, in fact, one source telling me he was the best on the whiteboard. Um, as far as you know, reviewing his coaching style that they looked at. And I think that stands out to me because, look, you kind of have to project when you go out and get somebody who hasn't coached at an LSU before, right? They projected with Robert Steeples. They um, projected with even a Brad Davis, in a sense, th that once you get to Baton Rouge and you get to LSU, which routinely reels in, top 10 classes, top five last year. You've got to have a guy that can develop talent, but you also have to project his ability to take advantage of what LSU can offer. And look, Jimmy Lindsay reeled in a South Carolina native in Zach Pickens, a five-star on the on-three industry ranking. He just went in the NFL draft. So a lot of people say, well, he hasn't done this or that or doesn't have these skins on the well on, on the wall. I don't. I don't believe that. I just think you have to project things sometimes when you make coaching decisions and hires. And this is a great example of that. And he's already been in the SEC. So when it came to what Brian Kelly laid out for everybody, as far as 
what he wanted. I mean, Jimmy Lindsay is one of those guys that fits that mold. Yeah, and it's going to be easier to recruit D-linemen to LSU than South Carolina. That's just the reality of the two programs. Um, wrapping up on him, I will point out, because I said he's from the border, and I mean he is right on the border uh, where he grew up in Morvin uh, of North Carolina and South Carolina. So his hometown is less than 90 miles from Columbia, from the job he had right now. So he's leaving his hometown, the home area, all that to take this job. I think that does speak to, as you said, how big of a job opening that was and how enticing it was for coaches. Yeah. And look, we'll have to see, obviously, how he does. Um, he's going to be a key piece in you know recruiting Dominic McKinley now. That's going to be one of his big priorities, the big in-state defensive tackle. We'll talk about him in a bit. Um, he has been out on the road recruiting, so he is doing that. It looks like he is doing a lot of his initial introductions around Louisiana uh, this week. The staff has been out to see some defensive line targets already. And now with the second part of that evaluation period, that second coaching visit you're allowed, then he can go out and see players and then really start building relationships. They can't talk to him, but once you obviously go by a school, you can keep um, that going. So that is kind of what's next for him is starting to hit that recruiting trail more and more. Um, but just from what I've seen, he's been doing that in Louisiana, which segues well into our next topic, Shay. The LSU coaching staff blitzed Louisiana to start off their evaluation period this spring, hitting many, many high schools across the state, seeing some of their top targets, seeing some of their commitments. But this makes a lot of sense. Frank Wilson, he's been running you know, the show in a sense in recruiting Louisiana and leading that charge. And a big emphasis was getting out there and showing the state exactly how big of a priority it is and for good reason as well. Yes. Yeah, so they hit more than 120 schools in Louisiana in two days. And here's the point of that. You want to stop in and see all your top targets and commits. Yes. And they've got offers out to double digit kids in Louisiana right now. And we look, we talked about this on a couple of podcasts already, the top 10 state in the state rankings, for instance, a year ago, LSU only signed four of them, four of the 10. They already have four committed right now. And the other six are all uncommitted. Now that Juwan Johnson at LCA backed off his commitment to Colorado, we feel good about where LSU stands there. They have a real shot. They are the team to beat on the on three RPM for the other six guys who remain uncommitted that are top 10 prospects in Louisiana and the rankings will shuffle and all of that. But point being, you want to go out and lock down the best. Now also you want to put yourself in front of all of these high school coaches and let them know Louisiana is a priority because why one you're recruiting their schools all the time. Every year kids are going to pop up from big schools like Evangel and Neville and whatever it might be um, schools in New Orleans to very small schools where, you know, you may have one kid, Denham Springs, may have one kid come through uh, in a blue moon that ends up being a big time prospect, but you've got to be there every year recruiting them. That's big. I also think we have this added element, Billy, of the portal. Even if they don't offer a kid coming out, if they were recruiting them, if they showed up at their high school, if they evaled them, if they invited them to campus, that builds relationships to where when two years later, if we'll talk about guys later in this podcast, but if Louisiana guys that left the state go into the portal, did you recruit them before? Did you make stops at their high school? Did you show them the love, even though they didn't have an offer of, hey, we've got interest, we're evaluating you, or are you starting from scratch? And if you're not starting from scratch and you've got built-in relationships already, 
We've seen LSU capitalize on that by bringing tons of kids the past two seasons back into Louisiana from the portal who they had recruited to some level in high school, like Greg Brooks and guys like that. Yeah, exactly. And and that is so much of what even the the game plan for a lot of colleges across the country is now. You know, you've got to continue to build relationships and even in a sense where maybe the kid is a top target for you and he goes elsewhere, but you know what? He doesn't like it or um, is too far from home or where Anderson. Yeah. You've you, Aaron Anderson, you've got to have those relationships. So that is another piece to the puzzle. So I really like it. Shay, the uh, NFL draft is a big piece to this as to why LSU should do this. They went out and saw Dominic McKinley, the five-star defensive tackle, uh, on day one, they've seen Wardell Mack. They've seen Tylen Singleton. They've seen a lot of these other guys that are top targets for them. But the NFL draft is showing us that this is a wise move for LSU to be this heavily invested in Louisiana. Yeah, if you go on on three, uh, like on three dot com, if you go to that web page, they'll have a tab at the top about NFL draft, and you can kind of browse through a lot of different metrics that are cool, but. The, in terms of draft talent ratio, which is really just like a per capita type thing, to put it simply, Louisiana has gone number one, two, one, two, 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 like over the past 10 years of being the top state or in the top three of per capita producing the most amount of draft picks, producing the highest level of ca- uh, you know caliber uh, of players. Now, the average across the past 10 years, Louisiana is getting 10 players drafted a year, and that puts them really Billy right behind the big four of Texas and Georgia and California and Florida. Those States always put out prospects, but Louisiana is unique because only LSU is here. And that's what makes this job appealing. That's a big reason Brian Kelly probably felt good about taking this job is just because of the recruiting base you have in Louisiana, let alone the border States. I'll then point out this in this past draft, LSU had, or excuse me, Louisiana had nine players drafted. LSU only offered three of them. So there will always be the Keishon Boutes, the Trey Palmers, the Jaquelin Roys. Like LSU offered those guys. They got them. They didn't offer Jarrett Bernard Converse, who came back to the team uh, as a transfer. They didn't offer an Osiris Torrance, who went to UL and transferred to Florida eventually uh, and became a second-round pick there. Many people thought, Billy, that he might end up being a first-round pick, but he was the first uh, Louisiana guy to come off the board. Let me see if the others were Dontavian Wicks. Yeah, Dontavian Wicks over at Plaquemine, Tajay Spears, who obviously had a great career at Tulane coming out of Ponchatoula, Darius Davis, who was kind of a return ace slot player for TCU, and they're really good about evaling Louisiana. He came out of St. Francisville. Uh, and then Andre Jones, who's um, shout out to Varnado, but uh, coming out of A&G, playing at UL, and I think he was a six-year senior. So you're going to miss on some guys who eventually get drafted that – Uh, You didn't offer, but it just proves the state is going to give you talent. If you eval it correctly, you can have high level players. And the numbers show in the past five years, Billy, Ella, they've had 54 players from Louisiana high schools drafted 54. I think the amount that played at LSU at just some point was in the 40% range. So there's a lot of guys in this state that are out there that go other places that are not Bama or Georgia. They go to Tulane, they go to TCU, they go to Southern, you know, wherever it might be, and they get drafted. And it's on LSU to continue the eval process and begin here in Louisiana. And that's why I like them going out and starting the spring eval period right here. 
Yeah, and shout out uh, Charles Power for making Dontavian Wicks a four-star prospect coming out of Plaquemine. And, you know, look, maybe LSU should save a spot or two for those late emerging four-star prospects that uh, Charles and co. uh, identifies. That would have been one uh, that they could have had a feather in the cap, in a sense, uh, with a late eval there. He ends up going to Virginia. But um, this is... This is primarily why, and Brian Kelly's talked about it, one of the first things he did was really make sure that they're turning over those stones at those maybe smaller schools or schools that don't necessarily churn out the guys year in, year out, like a Neville, like a Westgate, um, you know, the schools in New Orleans, you know, Catholic High, you know, places like that um, across the state. He wants them really focused on doing it all. And that's where this can pay off is when you're not necessarily jumping into a recruitment and you haven't been to a high school or you haven't even talked to a kid. They're getting a lot of these kids on campus early. I mean, I look at the 2024 class. We talked about it at length. There's a lot of kids that they're evaluating. They could look at the same goes for the 2025 class. They've already had a lot of these kids on campus. So I think that's important to note is that they are doing a good job getting these kids to campus and then saying, okay, we're going to continue the evaluation process. We're going to see where things, you know, go. Obviously, it worked out for a guy like Deshaun McBride. There are others that could earn offers this summer at camp. So um, they just continue to do a good job of recruiting Louisiana as a whole. It really, you know, was an extra emphasis to start off this evaluation period. I feel good about where they're at right now. I also noticed they climbed into the top 10 of the on three recruiting rankings, kind of with the recent flood of commitments, a couple guys popping, guys decommitting from other spots. So I think they were at 12 before, uh, but now back into a top 10 class. That's where you want to be, especially when you've got spring, summer, senior year evals, all that still to come, signing day. I have no problems about doing recruiting drill right now. And the, uh, on three recruiting rankings are a little different. They are typically averaged so that everybody is kind of graded on having the same number of commitments so that it shows kind of where schools are tracking overall as far as their class goes. Instead, like what was it last year around this time, Tennessee had the number one class in the country. Um, There are a couple other schools that were up at the top, um, you know, one, two, three on other services or something because they had stacked a bunch of commitments early, so they got a bunch of points for it. The on three process kind of shows it how it's going over the course of an entire, um, you know, recruiting cycle. So LSU will move up. I have no doubt about that because they'll, you know, probably get more of these guys. Like we've talked about, like they sit in a good spot for Juwan Johnson. They sit in a good spot for Wardell Mack. They lead on the RPM for a bunch of guys. They'll continue to help their average and then go up in the rankings and it'll reflect that a little bit better uh, for LSU fans who are monitoring it on on three. So with that, guys, we do have to tell you about our friends at Rogue Shop. RogueShop.com. The buzz is palpable for Bengal Tiger subscribers that take advantage of that 10% off your order with the promo code BengalTiger. Uh, Shay, uh, Richard and Char, uh, the veteran-owned business, the husband and wife, small craft cannabis, uh, you know, uh, production company is really just continuing to kill the game. Richard jumped on the board and, and dropped that 420 promo code that a lot of people use. That has come and gone, so we're back to the Bengal Tiger promo code for 10% off, and people continue to jump on Rogue Shop. If you have 
issues with sleep or anxiety, pain, continue to check out Rogue Shop. You can chat with them live at rogueshop.com to give you kind of what you need. What is your best, best path to sleeping better, to getting rid of that pain? They've got a bunch of different avenues for you to enjoy and uh, check out at rogueshop.com. Yeah, we've been heavy on the the gummies. You've been heavy on the uh, lotion, I guess, cream as well after hockey. Uh, and the update, Chewy, um, who's a 13-year-old dachshund, uh, the tincture, which is bacon flavored, which makes it even better to just kind of put onto the food, uh, is loving it. And sleeping well, I know she's like any dachshund. She's got some back issues that uh, she bounces back from time and again, and uh, she's been jumping around that seeing the youthful puppy in her. So yes, got a little bit of uh for everybody there. And we took advantage of, uh, gosh, the 420 deal with the combo uh, Bengal Tiger on Road Shop. That helped out. Took some good amount of money off it. So yes, Bengal Tiger promo code. Yep. Check them out. Roadshop.com. Promo code Bengal Tiger for 10% off. Shay, we continue on talking about LSU's coaches hitting the recruiting trail. And we've circled the trio of prospects. We mentioned the guys in Louisiana that they've hit already, a Dominic McKinley, a Wardell Mack, a Tylen Singleton, some of their commitments. But we're going to focus on a pair of uncommitted prospects and also one of their top commits, who I was also able to see as well that day. LSU was out in Texas, I would say, in full force this week, hitting the Dallas area, hitting Houston. But they went and saw Bryant Wesco, the four-star wide receiver, and one of the best wideouts in the country. I'm expecting LSU to get an official visit. Oklahoma does lead the on-three recruiting prediction machine, but as we've talked about, he's got ties to Louisiana with his folks. Mike Denbrock, Cortez Hankton were both by Midlothian to check in on him for the first time this spring. They'll be back again, I would imagine. Uh, but that is one of the top priorities for LSU at the wide receiver position, and lo and behold, as soon as they were done with that Louisiana blitz, they got out and saw him. Yeah, he's one of our favorite, and you noted you mentioned those connections. His dad played at Destrehan and then went and ran track at La Tech, is in the Hall of Fame at La Tech. So they have the ties here. Obviously, they've settled in Midlothian, but you recruit a guy like that hard. And I know that who's it been? OU is kind of considered the team to beat. I know his sister goes to school there and plays sports. But if I'm LSU, I'm pressing hard, hard here because – I repeat it all the time. You want Louisiana receivers. That's who's carried this program for as long as I've been covering the beat, minus a couple of out-of-state guys like Brandon LaFell or Terrence Tolliver. It has always been Louisiana guys. But right now they only have one offer out in Louisiana, and that's Kobe Young. So it doesn't seem that it's a super heavy year for receiver in Louisiana. It's a lot more heavy on the you know DB side, corner side of, of skill players. So Go into Texas like you did last year with Kyle Parker. Go into Florida if you can like you did last year with Jalen Brown. These are places where everyone's going to recruit. I like to see them kind of turn up the heat with Bryant Wesco, even more than they already are. I think that official visit needs to be one of their top priorities because he's the real deal. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, roll out the red carpet, put the ultimate press on, and, and see how the chips fall there as they look to overtake OU. They're also looking to overtake Florida State for five-star offensive tackle John Daniels. Um, Brad Davis, busy guy on the recruiting trail, went and saw uh, a 2025 SEC commit. We dropped that note on the board. Uh, one of the best offensive linemen in the country in his class. Drove right over to Pensacola to see John Daniels, who was on campus this spring. He's a five-star on on three, one of the best in the country. 
They're probably going to get an official visit here, I'd imagine. And Brad Davis isn't letting up. He's one of those top priorities we talk about as well. Yeah, they've already gotten him to campus too before. So you're in it, right? You're swinging for the fences with the number one offensive tackle in the country. That's what you want to be. Um, do they pull it off? I don't know. It seems like Florida State's got a lot of buzz around uh, John Daniels recently. But we do know Marcus Muscal, for instance, was a guy that they've been recruiting heavily out of Georgia. They've offered him. He's now – he was going to go ahead and commit at some point soon, he had said, Billy. But now he's like, okay, I, I want to take a few visits first. So LSU's in that mix. Florida's in that mix. NC State is in that mix all in June. So he'll be a guy to watch as well. I'm curious how this O-line class ultimately pans out. We've talked about it on the podcast before. There's some guys in Texas that they're on. Uh, they obviously already have a commitment from Kyrie Lee in Louisiana. There are other Louisiana guys that they'll see in the spring eval period and see in summer camp. So it doesn't seem as clear cut to me as a year ago. Like I feel like a year ago at this time, we knew Zaylon's heard Tyree Adams in state were the guys and that they really wanted DJ Chester. And there were other guys that, you know, Bisbon and what was his name? Chase, Chase Bisantis and yeah. TJ Shanahan. Yeah. Shanahan. Like All there the were days. other guys they were on, but ultimately they ended up with some of the guys that we had been talking about. I feel like this class will have a little bit more intrigue as we go along in terms of O-line. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you look back at uh, how we were standing following that class entering the summer and it was like, all right, when's the Lance Hurd going to do it? You know, we knew he was going to camp. We knew he was coming back to LSU for an unofficial visit. Then he was, you know, able to, to pop um, for LSU there and, Kind of took a while, but they got him across the finish line. And Tyree Adams, kind of new, same story. He might have been committed by now. Um, and uh, or no, he he ended up being a, a guy, I think, in June, right? Um, took an official visit maybe somewhere else. Uh, yeah, because remember they didn't have a lot of commitments and people were freaking out about it. <laughs> Classic. Um, and then DJ Chester had already been to campus two times that spring. This year, I mean, you look at you those guys in Texas, Casey Poe, the number one interior offensive lineman. Uh, Weston Davis, one of the best offense tackles in the country. Ori Williams is a guy out of San Marcos they've been on. Really, really heavy. Um, and a couple others as well. Uh, Nate Kibble out of the Houston area. And then Ethan Callaway stretching to North Carolina. They're also on, um, you know, they have Kyrie Lee committed. Um, you mentioned uh, Marcus Muscol. Blake Ivey's another Texas guy. Um, so there, there's a lot of guys that they're on. Uh, Brad Davis has seen a good handful of his top targets now. And after you sign back-to-back -back classes like he has, you can swing for those fences and then see if you need to evaluate and, and, and move on some of these guys that are maybe a little bit farther down the board. Um, one guy that LSU moved on and uh, got on board is a guy with Louisiana ties, Devon Keys, the, the linebacker out of Alito, Texas. I was on uh, Alito's uh, practice field on Monday, bright and early, about 6 a.m., 6.30 to uh, – Check him out. And Matt House was also there. Uh, you can kind of see him in the background of some of these shots. Uh, checking out Devon Keys. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that you could kind of peg um, as somebody that could continue to rise up the recruiting ranks. He's a shade under six foot, but he's got some really nice length to him. And uh, LSU was able to get him on board. His whole family's from Louisiana. Uh, he was back on campus for the spring game. He's going to come back in the summer, I'm sure. Um, and I, I, I just came away with, you know, some takeaways that include that he can really run. Um, that's the big thing. And he's not going to shy away from physicality either. He's a power lifter, runs a little bit of track at Alito as well. 
Um, so I, I came away impressed with Devon Keys. We've got him as a, I think, a high three-star, maybe a four-star non-on-300 guy. But um, I, I just came away thinking that he's somebody to circle. Um, and, and we were asked on the board on uh, about it this morning who could, you know, kind of rise up. And, and I circled Devon Keys. Yeah, if you're watching on the YouTube right now, you're getting to see Billy's up close and personal clips. Are you, you're it looks like you're playing safety here, Billy. You're help, are you on the field? Yeah, and and I'm stationary because that's how I'd play safety too. I can't really. Yeah, make you got to be standing there. Yeah, yeah. He's that's... a big. He's bigger than I thought he would be. Like filled yeah. out more. Oh yeah, I think he's got a 550 pound squat, so he's got that squatters and uh, powerlifting body to him. Um, really, really impressive young man too. He is excited to be. The Tiger. We'll have the full story on him later this week on the site um, and some more takeaways from him. But um, yeah, Madhouse, you go out and uh, they blitz Louisiana like we talked about, but they're also getting out and seeing a lot of these commitments too right away that are more out of state. And Devon Keys was one of them. So there's a ton of updates on the BengalTiger.com. You could subscribe and get a free Bengal Tiger Founders Club hat still. You can check those out, um, but tons of notes about coaches on the road, um, just scanning Twitter. It's the only place to be is the Bengal Tiger if you're into that, seeing who the coaches are seeing, who they're evaluating. They also are dishing out some new offers as well, and we've got updates coming on those guys too. Am I mistaken in saying that Alito has the most state titles of any team now in Texas history? Like, don't they have like 11? Uh, I think – I think we've talked about this and I think they're right. Yes. The, I don't know how it's split up with UIL or old titles or whatever, but point being nice to have a commitment. Like people talk about Duncanville all all the time. Nice to have a commitment from a kid at Alito. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've turned out They're They're kind of a program that they have Haas Haney. Who's a, uh, or Haas Henry. uh, One of the two is who's committed to TCU at quarterback. They've got a nice four-star defensive back in the 2024 class that LSU is looking at Chris Johnson, uh, son of a former Louisville standout and NFL 10 year NFL vet, Chris Johnson, um, not the Tennessee Titans one, but um, yeah, they, they've, they've always got guys year in year out. And of course, everybody loves to remember the uh, great Jojo Earl recruitment from a couple of years ago. Well, uh, thank you for specifying not the Tennessee one. Cause I immediately was like, Chris Johnson's got a son that's in high school. That's that's, that's, yeah, that's why I specified. I, I would I, I kind of would have thought Chris Johnson might have one that's in college. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, some of these guys uh, that LSU is is hoping for a big splash from, uh, they're getting out to see this spring. So uh, we'll continue to monitor that as well. They are still looking in the transfer portal to make a splash. They've reeled in uh, a bunch of uh, transfer additions already this offseason, but uh, Shay, they're still targeting a few positions of need and and maybe even not necessarily need as much as um, a luxury when you have some scholarships available. And a luxury would be, and we've kind of talked about it on the podcast before, adding a running back. And Notre Dame transfer and Louisiana native Logan Diggs entered the transfer portal. And this is one that we've kind of been watching for a long time now. Um, there was even some buzz back when he signed with Notre Dame that he might have been trying to get out of his LOI. Um, and now he enters the transfer portal after a productive little run in South Bend. This is one that LSU's circling uh, as well now. Yeah, Logan Diggs. I mean, look, for all we know, he could pop at any point or 
take a couple of visits and then see where things go because the portal closed, but you don't have to be committed by then. You just have to have your name in. So it's not like any camps are going on. He's finishing up school. So like he can take his time if he wants. All these kids can. I still think LSU will end up getting Logan Diggs. And I know that seven running backs sounds like a lot, but we've talked about it plenty on the board and on the show that of the six running backs LSU has on roster, two are two true freshmen. You know, one is John Amory, who hasn't been with the team all spring. That's half the group. You know, one is Josh Williams and Armani Goodwin, too, who are coming off season-ending injuries. Noah Kane's the only healthy guy that went through spring ball that came back. And then you had Trey Holly as an early enrollee at a high school. It gives you a little more insurance, but I also just think Logan Diggs brings something that is as good, if not better, than what a lot of the guys in the room do. He blocks well. He rushed for over 800 yards at Notre Dame as a you know, true sophomore, I guess it was. Uh, but also, I think he caught nearly 300 yards worth of pa- or not passes, but yards uh, through the air. So that's something, an element that certainly you'd like to have in your backfield. And LSU's got a couple of guys that can do that, but I feel like Diggs maybe um kind of really refined in that category he was that way in high school as well it would surprise me if a guy who signed with brian kelly out of high school and had an lsu offer at the end but just stuck with notre dame decided to now leave notre dame and you've got an lsu offer in hand you've got brian kelly coaching there there's just you played at rummel like there's too many ties i know there's a lot of teams on him but i think lsu gets this one across the finish line and adds him to the class at some point I do too. And there was some intrigue around AJ Allen, the former four star out of Neville uh, entering the portal. But Logan Diggs is that is that guy for LSU. It appears that they're going after at the running back position. And I mean, I remember him coming out of high school. There was some thought that maybe he switches over and plays linebacker. And that was a part of the reason uh, LSU was after him, that he could play both. Uh, They were in dire need, I think, uh, if I'm remembering right, at at linebackers. So uh, he would play running back at LSU. Uh, He's certainly proven going up to Notre Dame, he could do that. So he's one of those proven players at a uh, position that LSU is looking to upgrade and uh, would be a really nice fit uh, with those ties. They're also looking uh, at the wide receiver position. Keon Coleman, the Michigan State transfer who has entered the portal. Uh, he's got a bunch of programs after him. His is a little maybe murkier is the right word to use. Um, he's keeping things obviously close to the vest. There's some buzz even that maybe Michigan State can reel him back in, but he's a guy coming out of high school that was a two-sport standout, went to Michigan State to play both, played, end up playing football. Um, but LSU was evaluating him, and they didn't end up moving on him. It was a prior staff, of course, but this is one of those guys that has now proven he can play at a reasonably high level and will have a good market for him. Yeah, look, I won't. You can't knock the old staff here because that year they signed Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas and Chris Hilton, who's just run into the injury bug, really, but he's a very good player coming out of Zachary, which were the, you know, three of the top players in Louisiana. And then they also went and got Deion Smith uh, out of Mississippi, who was the number one player in Mississippi. It was one of the best receiver halls in the country. It just didn't pan out for him with Deion Smith. Now, Malik's one of, Malik is your best player. Brian is one of your starters. Um they went and got Kyron Lacey back, Billy, another Louisiana guy already who hit the portal from UL. You put him up there with Chris Hilton. So those are all Louisiana guys as your top four. And you've got other, like you've got talent in that room. Like Ibietta's back. They signed a handful of talented guys. Aaron Anderson transferred in. It was one of the best players in the country a year ago when he signed with Alabama coming out of New Orleans. Now he's back on the roster. 
but they're going after Keon Coleman. And I think it's because they say, Hey, look, we have spots. We can put more competition into the room. And like, I love, we, we liked Keon Coleman coming out of high school. He was a high flyer in basketball. He was putting up numbers in football, but he was playing a real small ball school. Um, I think one a uh, is what they were at Opelousas Catholic and was still raw as a player football wise. And he had 40 something offers, but ends up at Michigan state. And it was one of those things like, okay, you can go up there and try out. He did his freshman year. And, you know, I think he did even a little sophomore year, maybe. No, he wasn't going to do it. This is his sophomore year. So he ended up just focusing on football for the spring, but he exploded as a sophomore in football. I mean, he caught almost 900 yards and was top five or six in the big 10, which we toss in Ohio state receivers and a handful of others. It's a lot of talented guys playing receiver. He was one of them. It's a no brainer for me to go after him. My question for Keon Coleman becomes if he's in his quote unquote money year, right? Billy, like he's going to be a junior. He would be draft eligible. There was buzz that he was leaving Michigan state because he thought he could put himself in a better spot, just being featured, whether that's the quarterback player or the offense. I don't know. You know, you read all these writers and message board speculation as to why he might leave. Sorry about that. Don't call. Uh, but he, and I don't answer to this. Does he want to go somewhere and be the number one guy and be like catching 60 balls and going over a thousand yards? Or does he want to go back home and play at LSU and maybe compete for a championship, both the SEC and national championship, but also be in a room where, yes, you're very talented, but so are the other five or six guys that are battling for playing time. Yeah, that's a, that's a question with a lot of these guys. And and even we'll, we'll talk about one more transfer portal target. That, that's got to be a question for him as well. Um, Keon Coleman is intriguing. And if you get him, you have Brian Thomas Jr. coming back, who's proven now that he can be a high-level SEC receiver. You want to see him take the next step. But Keon Coleman can give Shelton Sampson a little bit of time to develop um, when you know he's arriving this summer. So um, if they get him, great. I just think you always want to, and that was why, in part, I talked about running back earlier this spring, like, this is why you have the transfer portal. If you are even unsure about a position and you have spots, go out and try to get another guy. Just build the best roster you can. Don't worry about who's in the room. But for a guy like Keon Coleman, that's got to be a big question for him is can he come to LSU and have a major, major role? We'll see. He's been mom. We haven't seen him give any public comments. Most of these guys are when they hit the portal. They're not really going to say much. They're just going to feel it out behind the scenes. Um, a lot of guys just don't even report their offers. Like Logan Diggs hasn't reported any offers. He's got LSU and a number of others. The guy that we will end here with, Trey Amos, is reporting his offers. And boy, did he blow up. I would guess he's probably gotten more than like 20-something offers since being in the portal, what, two days? And we're talking LSU, Bama, all of these schools. And for those that aren't on the site, Trey Amos has played at UL for a number of years. Um, did play small ball uh, coming out of high school. He went, I think he was at Catholic Point Capi, I believe. Uh, Catholic New Iberia, actually, yeah, it might have been. Uh, but they won a state title. He was a state title winner in the long jump, too. So super athletic kid. That He was a three-star coming out. Napier and them got on him. They developed him. And he's a corner. I mean, I guess he could play some safety, but he's played purely corner at UL. And it just tells me, exactly what you just said about the receiver room. Yeah, sure. They did get four transfer corners. Do you feel great about it? Or do you want to just keep adding competition to it? A guy like Trey Amos comes in with a lot of starts under his belt experience and certainly could help out. 
Yeah, and I remember Trey coming out of high school. I uh, had that brief stint uh, covering a little UL recruiting um, back a few years ago. He's somebody that checks a lot of those athletic boxes. When you look back and a lot of what Billy Napier and his staff did, they just took a bunch of guys that ran track, played basketball, Kyron Lacey, you know, uh, Imani Bailey, guys like that, uh, that had a lot of those analytical uh, positive points. And Trey Amos was one of them. So I, I think this is a guy that, look, LSU's battling Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Oregon. Um, and I even, that was yesterday morning I checked and he's uh, added Miami. He's added a bunch of offers. So he's somebody that hit the portal. And I think you've got to circle him as LSU being firmly in play. But again, does he want to come to LSU and just battle, battle, battle a Denver Harris and, and some of these other guys to get on the field in what is going to be his money year? So um, that's a big question for him. It'll be interesting to see. We do know this. LSU is going after all three of those guys. So the theme of let's get Louisiana kids back here or re-recruit them in a Trey Amos case. He's from Louisiana and stayed in Louisiana, but make Louisiana a priority even in the portal. And Brian Kelly and them have done that. And we're seeing him do it again here right now. So we wondered how much intrigue would come out of the second portal window. Like Brian Kelly was saying, it would mostly be a depth thing. And we saw him flirt with some O-linemen. I know people are curious about tight end. But right now, I think the storyline for me is th these three, three Louisiana natives who are all talented, could all help you. How many of them do they end up getting? I feel good about Diggs. I don't know where the other two go quite yet. But won't surprise me at all if they come away with multiple, if not all of them. Yep, exactly. So LSU continued to target Louisiana talent, both in the high school ranks and in the portal. And one more portal note, Shay, um, you had the scoop on this. Garrett Nussmeyer returning to LSU. This is big news for LSU because, look, the quarterback position at LSU right now is it's as strong as I've seen it top to bottom as far as what the plan is long term. Obviously, they had Joe Burrow on campus. That's when it was clearly the best. But uh, they have Jaden Daniels coming back. Garrett Nussmeyer is a guy that probably could walk into a, quite a few programs and start or oh, be a lot. right there. Um, to start at, at the power five level. And instead he's going to wait his turn. Now, Brian Kelly was at the Houston touchdown club uh, on Tuesday, as a lot of his staff was blitzing Houston. And he said, there's a plan for him to play and play a lot. So I think that has to uh, have factored in as well. Well, he's competing always with Jaden Daniels, who's your returning starter. It's really just such a great spot for LSU because they were in a position where they felt like they had to go to the portal and get Jaden Daniels. It was the same thing they had to do with Joe Burrow. Now they're in a spot where you can go from Jaden Daniels to Garrett Nussmeyer, and he's got multiple years of eligibility, and he's been on the team. He was committed. He was His first offer was LSU. Like He is settled in with the receivers. He knows them all. You don't have to worry about him building a rapport with them. He knows now Denbrock in year two of what's expected of Coach Sloan as a quarterback's coach, as head, Brian Kelly as a head coach, of how the programs run. So, like, for me, so much of last year was just about Jaden getting adjusted. And now Jaden's talked about, hey, look, I've been here a year, and it's unbelievable how much, you know, more growth I've had in terms of having rapport with the team, knowing how to run this offense, all that. Garrett Nussmer is going to be here, what, three years at this point. When he becomes your starter, whenever it is, whether that's this year, next year, even if he stays for another year, because remember, he took that red shirt, didn't play in the bowl game when that was still a rule. That pays off now in the long run. 
it's great news for LSU. Good on Nussmeier. You don't see it often where guys are sticking around because, look, when quarterbacks, they're going to chase playing time. They only have so much eligibility. They want to be able to put themselves on the field and put tape out there and maybe get to the next level. Nussmeier's been patient, and he's waiting it out. I think it pays off for him. I think this was the right move because, yes, you can transfer out to another, even SEC school. He considers himself from Lake Charles. Like He tells people he's from Lake Charles. I think that's where he's born. But they had lived all over with his dad. With the connections his dad has, Billy, imagine how many people and coaches were reaching out behind the scenes. Like, hey, is Garrett interested in maybe looking around? Maybe look. I mean, I bet that's happened since he's gotten to campus. He's never budged. So this is a guy who at some point will be LSU's quarterback, and at least for the immediate future, so like two years, you don't have to worry about, oh, let's go to the portal and – it's make or break on us getting someone like a Jaden Daniels who can really save the team and, and kind of bridge the gap until that next guy's ready. Yeah. I mean, behind the scenes, you know, I mean, a lot of buzz was around TCU, but that never matriculated and there. They brought in a Oregon state uh, starter, I think to compete or whatever, but Garrett Nussmeyer would have been one of those guys that uh, yeah, I could have seen them going after heavily um, going into this season after losing Max, Max Duggan, but He's sticking around. So good news for Garrett Nussmeyer, which is good news for LSU. A big, big piece of the puzzle at the quarterback position is settled uh, for the future of LSU because of that. So with that, guys, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. Please keep hitting that subscribe button to our YouTube channel as well as the website, thebengaltiger.com. On3 continues to grow. Just reeled in a big fish in Rusty Manziel for the Georgia site, oh, the Oklahoma yeah. site. Um, so there's a big, big push right now around on three, continuing to get better, which it certainly is. So no better time to jump on board. So for Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Ambody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. And we will catch you guys later in the week with another edition. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 